Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, episode 95. My special guest is John Henney. He is a voice teacher, a studio owner, a course creator, an entrepreneur, and an author. And today we're talking about his new book, Teaching Contemporary Singing. Now, before I dive into my fantastic conversation, I just want to say thank you to the listeners for checking out the Full Voice Podcast. And I hope that you take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, whether it's on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. I would also like to encourage you to connect with me on the socials. If you are on Instagram, I'm at the full voice and you can check out the behind the scenes in my teaching studio I share lots of fun games that I do with my kids and how we use all of our resources and I would love to see what you're doing in your studio too and now our conversation with John welcome back to the podcast Mr. John Henney how are you I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, I want to start off with this very important question. Are you ready? I'm ready. How is Wee Man? Wee Man. Oh, Wee Man is my little special needs Frenchie. He (laughs) was born with a cleft palate. Oh my goodness, yes. And they they usually, uh, as a matter of fact, the vet wanted to put him down. (gasps) No! And and they actually, uh, the breeder opted to have surgery to help close up the hole. So Wee Man was was too, basically tube-fed and, and had his jaw wired shut for much of his oh. puppyhood. So he um, he didn't spend time with dogs. He, he didn't nurse from his mother. So he doesn't really know he's a dog. I love that little face. Yes. I and love And he's, he's doing well. He's getting older. He's nine. He's getting a little stiffer now. We used to bring him into the studio, but it's starting to be a bit much for him with mm. all the little kids. So Yeah. Well, for those of you who don't know, uh, John has a beautiful and loving bulldogs, and uh, they're often um, in his teaching studio. And, of course, I follow you on social media, and you're just doing so much, and your studio is so vibrant. Tell us a little bit about the John Henney Music Academy. Yeah, so what I did... Um, I had my own private studio uh, in the um, Studio City, mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood area mm-hmm. of Los Angeles. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to open up a full-service music academy. Uh, and I, I did that in a very family-friendly area about 25 miles east of uh, downtown Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it I really put a lot into creating a place that I would have wanted to go to when I was younger. Nice. Uh, so we, it's, it's uh, all the rooms are sound reduced. So the lessons don't disturb each other. The, you know, the colors are kind of vibrant and happy. We've got you know, a disco ball going in the lesson area. <laughs> um, we've got a stage room with wireless mics and, and stage lights as well as a, a small demo recording studio so they can learn the technology. I love it. Yeah, so it's 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 fun. And you're working with all ages. Yeah, I myself I'm I'm more I, I still work with my clientele. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but we we work with all ages and we also expanded into um, most uh, instruments. Ah, I love it. 
drums, piano. We have got violin hmm. as well as voice. Nice. Well, I love following your studio on uh, social media because, again, it looks like you're just really giving a safe and supportive place and a fun place for people to learn music. And I, I always look forward to your posts. So, but today. Well, thank you. Today, I am excited to talk to you about many things, but first I want to dive into your new book, Teaching Contemporary Singing, that just came out a few months ago. Yes. And um, this is a huge topic in our industry right now. And uh, I know that teachers are needing this information. Um, Many of us were classically trained, but we see this need for contemporary singers to be coached properly. Um, You've been teaching contemporary singing for quite some time. What were some of your challenges in the beginning? Well, you know, I I came to this not having uh, trained classically and not really having studied singing, uh, in school. I was a drummer Ah, yes. and I, I was playing drums professionally from my, my later teens, uh, and through my, into my thirties. And in my early twenties, I thought, you know, I could get more gigs if I could sing, at least sing backup vocals. (laughs) Sure. And I had a roommate come home and he said, Hey, I'm studying with this guy, and he's an associate teacher of the guy who teaches Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder. And as soon as I heard Stevie Wonder, I said, OK, I'm in. <laughs> and I, it was an interesting journey from knowing nothing about the voice. And, and all I really studied was contemporary singing, although later on I, I did start to to look at classical music and, and found that I just absolutely loved opera. Mm. But um just just diving in and really applying myself, I ended up moving from the drums to becoming a lead singer. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't all smooth, but <laughs> and, and I got a I got a record deal that went belly up, as they often do in the mm. whole thing. And it was only in the aftermath of of the ashes of that project, I got offered another uh, deal this time to be a drummer and go on the road. And, and I was uh, had children by that point. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no, I don't want to be in a, a van with a bunch of other smelly guys. So I, I started teaching. <laughs> Excellent. You know, I always love the, the how we transition from performer into teacher. Everybody's story is unique. And mm-hmm. uh, and I love that you you didn't want to you didn't want the life of the performer anymore. And you decided to stay. That's I like that story. Yeah, I'm a lousy traveler anyway. <laughs> I'm six foot seven. I just don't fit in many places. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Um, Being that the demands on today's contemporary singers are so challenging and that most teachers are recognizing that we need to expand our teaching toolboxes. We need to know more about this. And yet there's still a lot of teachers that are really hesitating to dive into this. What would you say to the classically trained teacher who just really is hesitant to dive into this topic? Well, what I would say is so many of the tools that you that you currently have are transferable. And mm. so many of the basics are going to remain. It's just getting in and dealing with some different um, tunings of resonance mm. and uh, levels of intensity 
of singing, especially the difference in, in female classical singing and female contemporary. The, the, the male contemporary singer and classical singer are much closer together in terms of how they're using their instrument than, than the female. Mm. And it really is beginning to understand um, vowel modification, resonance tuning, um, transitions, passaggio, whatever you want to call it in, in, in a slightly different way or using it in a slightly different way. I love the term. A lot of teachers are using singing strategies, which I think is helpful. When Perfect. We're, when we're looking at, when we're looking at, you know, how we're to guide them in making different decisions on how they're using their voice. Um, I have another tough question, which I'm curious to know what you think of this. Do you think it's essential for the teacher to have experience performing contemporary music if they're going to be teaching it? Um, yes and no. It's, it's, it's not absolutely essential because ultimately what somebody is, is coming to us for, um, are our ears. Mm. And, and our ability to really listen and diagnose and correct the faults. However, it, it is certainly helpful to have gone on stage and performed this music and understand um, the, the level of intensity, the, the inherent danger in using the voice mm. uh, in this way and, and how to avoid that. Dealing with the loud music, drums and guitars in your ear and different types of monitors or not having monitors, mm. you know, uh, being on the road with this type of music and just, just the, the, the stress that the contemporary performer is under, you know, a new artist, uh, who's out there maybe promoting their first single they're they're not flying first class and staying in a nice hotel. They're, <laughs> they're in a van, right? driving through the night, they get to the new place, they check into the hotel, get a few hours sleep, then they've got to be on the morning radio show mm -hmm. to talk about their performance that night. Then they're maybe doing interviews and uh, other TV performances in the afternoon. They got to do a sound check. Then they have to do the performance, sometimes two. Then they often have to do meet and greets after, and then mm -hmm. it's back in the van to the, to the next gig. I'm really glad you. Uh, I'm really glad you brought that up because I had a a young new artist uh, come in for some coaching before she left on tour, and she she happened to show me her touring schedule, and I was absolutely well dismayed that she had no days off. No, because it costs money. It costs the label money. Because it costs the label money, and I thought, oh wow, like that's. That's exhausting. And if you look at like pro athletes or anybody else that uses their bodies professionally, like they get days off, you know, they travel mm -hmm. with how many chiropractors and how many massage therapists and, and yet our performers are under these grueling conditions. Yeah. And, and the, and the culture of, of the, the modern singer, it, you know, it's very rare to find a classical singer that will identify as self-taught. True. That's a good Studying point. and coaching is part of the culture, whereas in contemporary, they will often resist lessons. First mm. of all, it sounds better to say that you're self-taught. And second <laughs> of all, they're afraid of losing their vocal identity. Oh, yes. 
if they walk into a studio and they hear people demonstrating these beautifully formed yet more refined sounds than they want, they're, they're afraid that you're going to impose that on them. And, uh, you know, I've been told when working with an artist, uh, the management or label will say to me, we do not want their vocal fingerprint changed. This yes. is what they are known for. You just have to help them do it so they don't lose their voice. I have heard that time and time again. And I always reassure, I always reassure my clients, the last thing I want to do is change or modify your instrument. I just want you to make peace with it and know what it's about and how you can maintain it. Like that's all I'm interested in. That's uh, that's a good point. I think that also goes back to the understanding, the teacher understanding that we have to change our ears. So if we're used to hearing certain singing styles and we have a student that comes in and say is using, you know, a, a, mal a vowel modification that just doesn't isn't something we would use or we recognize. Uh, that was really hard for me when when with my little ones, like when the, the glottal attack, like say like Katy Perry's like roar, you know, that roar, uh, 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 like that. When I first heard that, I was like, what, what is she doing? But now it's like, no, that's, that's a style. That's their thing. So we, yeah. And that, that part in particular can be brutally exhausting for the singer. Exactly. The aesthetics of, of modern music can be for singers can be all over the place. You know, mm -hmm. with classical music, there there's an I, general ideals that we're working towards, and but then in contemporary music, it's all over the place. I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges for those of us who have been teaching for a while, and certain sounds are new to us. And I think it's I think it's helpful to classify it as this is a new sound, not a bad sound or a wrong sound. It's just new. And even and let's even for the sake of argument say that that it's it's wrong in certain areas where it's it's uh, more fatiguing to the voice. It's it's possibly using excess muscle. Then it becomes okay, how do we help them do that and reduce the amount of wear and tear on the voice if we can't eliminate it completely. I love that. Now, I have a question for you in regards to younger singers. So in my forum, Voice Teachers for Young Singers, uh, shout out to my amazing friends and colleagues, people doing good work there. Whenever we talk about repertoire for kids, um, there is a hesitation for a lot of teachers to allow their singers to sing, their young singers to sing contemporary music. And while we, while we appreciate that the voice is growing, what guidance or what help could we give those teachers? Because the kids are going to sing that music, whether we, we like it or not. But how can we support the younger singer? Yeah, I, I'm basically, myself personally, I'll work with, with younger singers on pretty much any material they want to work on. Mm -hmm. With with the exceptions of if they're going in for, let's say, uh, an audition, then we have to be careful about age appropriateness. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Uh, because because they can be judged on that. Um, if there are things that are somewhat uh, non-age appropriate, I, I will steer them away from, from things that are rather racy. If, if the parents are okay with it, then it's, they, it's sometimes the kids don't even understand what they're singing. It's not a huge deal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but and in terms of if the song is too big for them, mm. we 
we can we can use these bigger songs to to dial them back. They don't have to sing it as as big as the uh, artist, but we can find ways so they can begin to experience some levels of powerful vocal registration mm. that their voice that is appropriate for their instrument and their age. Mm, I love that. I love that. Um, when you're when you're working with young singers um, and you see them working too hard because we know and I see this in my teaching studio, they really are just trying to emulate the sounds that are being made by an older singer. How what are some of your techniques for maybe dialing them back just a little bit? How do you approach that with them? So uh, give me an age range. Uh, let's say like mm, 10 to 12 female 10 to 12 with a female i will usually just watch their their vowel choice okay um usually what they're going to do it's going to be a wide open vowel mm -hmm. uh that's going to start to uh engage certain uh uh sound wave resonator combinations that are not going to be helpful for them ah, and okay. so i will explain how the singer is actually getting more of their power not from sheer muscle but actually acoustic um registration mm, okay and not 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 to sound too i will i'll probably make it a little more simple uh in the explanation than that and and we'll work some vowel modifications and really get them to feel uh these these registration shifts and also explain um, that if you took the most talented teenage uh, football or basketball player uh, in the world, let's say a 16-year-old, they could not go up against professionals that are in their 20s. It's just they're physically just not there. And, you know, make them aware that their voice is still developing. Um, their, their vocal cords will begin to, to stiffen as they get a little bit older, allowing them to resist more and get more energy and power from their voice. Mm, I love that. I think that reminder is important for parents sometimes because they don't understand the limitations that they have just because it's a growing instrument. Yeah. And, and then if you add in where the, the, the child is actually out there starting to get some work mm. and some attention for their voice, mm -hmm. uh, the, the stage parent starts to come in. That becomes a whole <laughs> an, another strategy. I, I, uh, I, I survived the stage parent. My dad was a great stage parent. Okay. Yeah. No, you know, it's funny too, because, because I, I was performing as a child because my dad was taking care of the business side of things. Like I don't, I'm not bothered at all by the parents that are, that are involved and doing that. Like they don't, I'm used to that. And, and I actually appreciate their, their interest and their, and their, what they're doing for their child. So stage parents and I, we're good. We're all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I find the, the, one of the best ways to approach the stage parent, even those that are a little pushy or over-involved, mm -hmm. is just to get them comfortable and make them part of the process. Yes. I always allow parents in the lessons. And when a, when a parent is in the lesson that I sense is really involved, I will address both them and the student. I'll let the parent know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So they feel part of the process. I am so glad you brought that up because I think uh, I think parents, you know, whether whether it's a child that's performing or just a child that's interested in lessons, I think having parents involved and, and opening the lines of communication and letting them know that they're part of the team is is so important. Thank you for bringing that up. 
Absolutely. It's a policy here at my music academy that, that all of my coaches know the last few minutes of the lesson, they come out with the student and they talk to the parent and mm -hmm. explain what they're studying, what they should be practicing and, and to keep the communication lines open. I love that. I love that. I think that keeps their interest and their investment in our studios as well. Yep. Nice. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey there, Erin here with your My Music Staff Minute. We all seem to receive a never-ending supply of monthly bills. Almost all of your bills will save you from the hassle of paying manually by offering a convenient option to auto-draft. Did you know that you can easily offer this option to your studio's families as well? Aside from being a great value-added service your families will appreciate, it also cuts down on your admin work. AutoPay is a feature that allows your families to store a payment option on file, which will be automatically charged when you send them your invoices. Introducing the concept to your families is quite easy since we're all accustomed to automated monthly membership payments because of services such as Netflix and Spotify. It's also a very common practice with things like car insurance, your cell phone bill, or any utility service. Even though your families expect the bill every month, they may forget to pay it as soon as they receive it. This can lead to spending your unpaid time tracking down overdue payments. Rather than playing the waiting game on when a family will pay, automating this process will make sure you're paid on time, all the time. Neither you or your families like awkward conversations about money, so eliminate that conversation by automating your payments. Programs like My Music Staff keep your financial data safe and secure by integrating with payment processors like Stripe and PayPal. My Music Staff will help you create a detailed, professional-looking invoice that accompanies the payment so your families know exactly where their money is going. Check out how My Music Staff can help you automate your invoicing, making the entire payment process seamless. In just a few clicks, you can completely automate your financials. Start your 30-day free trial of My Music Staff today at mymusicstaff.com. And stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. Now, I um, there's a couple of things that I really enjoyed in your, in your book. Um, one of the topics that you talk about is creating a safe space and making sure that yes. the students feel comfortable so that they can show you what they can and can't do. And I really liked that you brought that up. Now, this is a teacher-to-teacher teacher question. Sure. I have some young adults who have beautiful instruments. There's no medical history, um, but they struggle so much with that inner dialogue about their voice. They, it's very difficult to get them to sing without hesitation. How do you work with those singers who are just really struggling with either confidence or anxiety or, you know, maybe they, they just really don't like the sound of their voice? Well, first of all, I, I let them know that it's totally natural okay. and that all of us, when we begin singing, will will struggle with the sound of our voice. And then I also just want to be aware and as they get comfortable, they'll usually let you know if there's some event in the past that has really made them feel embarrassed or shameful about their voice. Mm. And uh, I mean, I've, I'm sure you've had this as well, where adults in their 30s and 40s will come back to singing after mm -hmm. a long time and they'll talk about a, a choir director 
when they were 14 years old, oh, just yes. destroying their confidence and they start to choke up mm -hmm. decades later over this. Mm -hmm. And just, just this one incident has robbed them of all these years of singing. So I, I just let them know, look, you would, if, if we were learning guitar and you were having trouble moving from a G chord to a C chord on your first lesson, would you be embarrassed? Of course not, because you don't feel that you should inherently know how to play guitar. Oh, beautiful. But for some reason, because the voice is so a part of us and so personal, we feel this embarrassment if we can't do it right away. Hmm. And it, it's, it just goes through, it just goes through encouragement and letting them know that they can, they can do this always. And as teachers, you're always just meet the student where they are. Mm, I love that. Oh, thank you for reminding. We need to just set our egos and our agendas aside and just meet them there. I love that. Thank you. Okay. Now. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, if you don't mind, I'll tell a quick story about please. where I messed up with my ego. Oh, okay. And I, I had um, a rather well-known singer uh, get referred to me. And when she came in the studio, she was she was in a bit of a vocal crisis, mm. and um, especially through her her transition um, from about A flat above middle C, mm -hmm. uh, and was starting to have to lip sync on some perform live performances on TV, etc. And so I thought, oh man, I'm going to dive in here. I'm just going to really blow her away and fix this. And and I I tried to do too much without con really considering the the kind of fragile state that she was in. Wow. Yeah. And she never came back. And I went, man, that was my ego mm. trying to show what I could do, at, rather than just just taking a breath. And just really being where she was at and just making small little incremental fixes that can reestablish her confidence. Uh, that's a very good reminder to all of us, um, especially with adults, too. So I, I, I recently had one of my my adults. I was getting very excited about you know, nerding out about the human voice. And she stopped me in, in my monologue and she's like, I do not understand anything you are talking about. Can we go back to the first thing you said? And I'm so thankful that she'd stopped me. Yeah. Because really, I was just listening to myself talk about all the cool things I knew about the voice. So I know. <laughs> and, and, and we have those days I have to watch it because some days you're teaching, and you don't feel vocally great. Right. And, and other days you're like, oh, man, my voice feels good today. And I'll have to stop and go. I'm kind of over demonstrating. Ah, uh, yes. yes. <laughs> now I have another teacher to teacher question. So really I invited you on my podcast, John, so that I could have a private coaching with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have several, um, several adult advocational students who I adore. They love singing. They have oodles of of choir singing and classical uh, experiences, but now they're really wanting to dive into the contemporary singing. And what I see from them is this, they, they just have a very hard time accessing, I'm going to use the terminology, their chest voice. Um, yeah. And they push, 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 push that head voice down. In fact, some of them can push it right down below middle C and it's quite yeah. something. What are your strategies to help them access those low notes 
and not make that face that they're disgusted with the sound. <laughs> yeah, it's well, first, what I usually go to is uh, making sounds removed from singing. Mm. And my my favorite particular one is I, I tell them the scenario. OK, there's a toddler about to touch a hot stove. And you have to warn this toddler or they will get burned. So I want you to say, ah, ah, ah. Oh, I like that. And then they will do that. And then I'll put it on a little scale. Ah, 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 And if they go, <laughs> I go, uh-uh, child's going to get burned. <gasps> ah, ah, ah. And, and then I'll have them go to um, an emotionally charged word like go, uh, you know, with a nice hard G to get a, a little more... Um, resistance of the airflow. And I'll say, you want somebody to leave. You're a little angry. Go, 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 go. And then if they, if they start to go, 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 I go, uh-uh, get mad. Come on. I like and that. Get them to start experiencing that. Mm. Uh, and then it, when that starts to work, I will, I will begin to walk them up to that, that first transition area or where contemporary teachers will talk about the mix coming in or mm. however they discuss that you know we're always arguing about singing terms <laughs> yes and i'll go in just enough so that they can begin to feel maybe that chest start to pull a little bit okay. or get into registration violation <laughs> i've heard and and then i'll go okay now we need to learn to modify this so you can blend it into your head voice so it's not a sudden shift and then we start to work on that that um, mix area or transition. Oh, I, those are so helpful. I'm, I'm stealing them. I'm going to use them this weekend. <laughs> now that brings me to my next question, which is, uh, in your, con uh, teaching contemporary singing, you talk about voice types, but not in the terminology that we're used to, which is soprano, alto, tenor, bass. You're more talking about voice tendencies or how people are defaulting their kind of their autopilot way of using their voice. Can you kind of dive into that for people? Because I think that's super helpful. Yeah, because outside of uh, musical theater, and even as musical theater employs more more uh, pop and rock styles, even even that's becoming more blurry. There is no Fach system the huh. way there is in classical music. So it's. Um, Rather than people, and people will get caught up in, am I, am I a baritone? Am I a tenor? And it's yes. like, let's, let's just see what your voice can do. Mm. We, we, don't, we don't have to classify it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not having to make a decision whether you're going to sing Mozart or Wagner. <laughs> right. So um, I, I will tend to break the voice down into their tendencies. Are there tendencies that they have... Um, a light chest or, or they're bringing their head voice down too low? Is there tendency they take the chest voice up too far and just begin to yell? Or do they take the chest voice up at a certain point and then uh, crack and flip mm. into, into head voice too soon? Or is there some sort of mix beginning to happen in the voice? And so then I can, I, now, I, now I'm able to, to bring in tools that work within those, those groupings. Oh, I love that. Well, I also love in your book how you actually have examples and then you have your, I'm going to say prescriptive, 
exercises to address each of those voice tendencies. So for teachers, yeah. for teachers who are just not sure how to how to make these corrections, you've really done an amazing job of breaking it down and step by step and try these try these exercises. And I also loved, loved, loved your rule of three. Tell everybody about the rule of three. Well, the rule of three is that if I give a student an exercise and within about three tries, it's not working, I will either modify the exercise or go to a different one altogether because I don't want to then over reinforce the imbalance that's starting to show. Mm, Okay. So I'm, I'm now talking to my listeners, voice teachers How many times have you just made your singers do that same exercise over and over and over again, but saw no results? Like, I think that's a really good guideline and a reminder that if the exercise that we're giving people isn't working, we need to, we need to figure something out or change. I'm constantly running three questions. Hmm. What am I hearing? Why am I hearing it? How do I fix it? I like that. So the, and the what tends to be the easy one. It's 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 more descriptive. I'm hearing strain. I'm hearing a a a flip. It's I'm, it's too light. The deep question is the why. Mm. And and the more you can get into the root cause of the why, and that's that's where I think you know being a bit of a voice science geek can be helpful. Sure. And understanding what's going on, then the more precise your how is going to be how you're going to fix it. Very helpful. Very helpful. Now, the your new book is available worldwide. It's on Amazon. Where else can people find your new re- release? Uh, it's pretty much exclusively on Amazon. Okay. But worldwide. Yeah. yeah. So so just go to your Amazon, your local Amazon store, wherever you are, mm-hmm. and just search for Teaching Contemporary Singing, John Henney. Beautiful. And it's it's available in Kindle, print, and audiobook. Audiobook. Oh, how lovely. Did you record the audiobook? I did indeed. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, connected to this release, this book, is your Contemporary Teacher Academy. Can you tell everybody about yes. that? Yeah. So what, what uh, Contemporary Voice Teacher Academy is, it's a membership site where... Uh, my goal is to take a, a gifted singer who's thought about teaching, maybe tried one or two lessons, but doesn't really have um, a, a system mm. for, for teaching voice and to uh, quickly give them the tools so that they can go out and begin teaching um, very competent lessons and then to take teachers who are, are experienced teachers, but maybe haven't had a lot of experience with contemporary singing to give them the tools so they can become as powerful in, in this genre as they are in others. Oh, I love it. I'm going to put all these links on our podcast page. So if you're interested in uh, whether it's the book or John's Contemporary Voice Teacher Academy, you can check that out from our website. Now, I also wanted to, I wanted to talk to you the last time I had you on the podcast, we were discussing your, well, new then, uh, the new science of singing. But now you have the new, new science of singing. 
you've updated <laughs> you've updated your course. It's now the new science of singing 2.0. You've added new modules. Can you give everybody an overview of of that online course that you offer? Yeah, so this course just delves into voice science, but in a way that I I feel is practical mm. and applicable for the voice teacher. I am by no means a voice scientist. Uh, I'm certainly not that smart, but uh, going through and just just studying it and and getting headaches and needing to take naps between paragraphs in these books, um, and then doing master classes uh, for other teachers and explaining it to them, I I really kind of came up with a way I feel to to make this more easily understandable. And then showing ways like it, how you can use it in your lessons. So it's a, it's a breakdown of science, and it goes through, uh, you know, the 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 more common things is uh, how the vocal folds work, etc. But it really gets what I'm excited about are the acoustics and mm. dealing with formants uh, and harmonics, which which took me a long time to wrap my head around, especially formants, and then just the formant harmonic relationships within vocal registration. Uh, I also have uh, testing within there. I have a certification test at the end. So if you go through everything and pass the certific certification test, <laughs> you can get a nice uh, little um, certificate to hang on your wall. Nice. Yeah. And I've also got uh, voice exercises in there to just show the application of, of uh, the concepts. And I get in there and answer questions people have within the course. Oh, I love it. I love how accessible you are. Thank you for, for that. I think that's so helpful. Um, now, I know that um, you also have you also have a new can we can we give everybody a little teaser of what's coming down the pipes? You have a new book. Yeah. Can we yep. can we spill the beans here on my podcast? You you actually have the exclusive. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Okay, so John, tell us you've got a new book, a new resource coming up for teachers. I think is brilliant. So lay it on us. Yeah, it, it actually goes to I'm scheduled to send it to my editor in just a few days. So I'm mm. feverishly going through and <laughs> and trying to, to clean up my my thoughts uh, that I've put down. Uh, the tentative title is Voice Teacher Influencer. Mm -hmm. And it is for voice teachers who want to expand their reach beyond their local area and mm -hmm. kind of become part of this more global reach and uh, uh, start how to attract the students that you most want to work with, mm. how to uh, build your authority, especially when moving to a new area. Oh, such an important topic. Yep. Where nobody knows who you are. Um, how to utilize uh, Facebook advertising, how to set up your website so that it's, and this is something I really hammer home in the book, but as voice teachers, we're, we're so proud of what we've accomplished mm -hmm. and degrees and affiliations. And we, we tend to make our website and our materials about us in that sense. Yes. And the key is you have to make it about the student. It's mm -hmm. all about them and how to convey your authority and how to create uh, materials that that help people and and draw people to you, not through crass marketing, but mm -hmm. actually through helping solve their problems for free and yeah. how to do this and turn people into uh, rabid fans I love and then it. create 
product and and the magic holy grail voice teachers are looking for how to create passive income mm, yes yes oh this is exciting and i'm i'm really glad that you brought up the um facebook marketing because this recently happened uh, there was a topic in our forum there were a lot of teachers um asking about marketing asking about advertising and so many teachers were really frustrated with facebook ads do you mind just sharing some of your insight about Facebook ads. Uh, it's a big topic. It would it would be like 30 episodes of podcasts yeah. to dive in. But can can we just talk about those Facebook ads for a little while? Yeah, the the biggest mistake that I see people making in Facebook advertising and and it really comes down to human relationships mm. and how we we meet each other. We as humans have certain steps that we take when developing relationships. Um, let's say you're on a first date with somebody and one of the first things they do is touch your hair. You're gonna freak out. <laughs> of course. Because they have jumped over certain steps mm. where perhaps maybe they'll they'll maybe gently touch your elbow or something if and if you're welcoming that and things lead up to them touching your hair. Mm. And by the same token, if the first thing we do on Facebook is just say, hey, I've got this for sale. Hey, come take lessons with me. The person's just going to go, I don't know you. Who ah, are you? The no like, and trust. Correct. Ah. And so what you want to do, if, if you take anything away from, from Facebook ads, this is the most important thing you can do, is Facebook has this thing called the Facebook Pixel. And it is a little piece of code that you put on your website. It's not your uh, little logo to go like your Facebook page. This, this is something that the person online never sees. But this piece of code tells Facebook when someone has visited your website. And Facebook will give you this for free. And when Facebook is alerted that they visited your website, they will put this person into an audience for you. Have you ever gone to research something online? Like right now I'm looking to get a, a upgrade my headphones. Oh, and yes. I'm doing my research and one company has that Facebook pixel. And now when I go back to Facebook or Instagram, that product is following me and reminding <laughs> me, hey, these headphones will solve your problem. These mm. are the headphones you want. That's what the pixel will do. It will allow you to retarget. Nice. And so what I suggest is create a piece of useful content that will solve a singer's problem, be it um, how to how to nail your next audition or how to fix cracks in your voice and then run an ad for that. Mm. Get people to your site. Don't worry about them signing up because the pixel's going to hit them. And then you run a second ad to those people who visited your site and gotten value from you that says, hey, would you like to come in for a consultation or come to my open house or whatever you are trying to promote? Well done. Thank you so much. I I know that as like I use the uh, Facebook and I know every time I log in, it's like, it, it, the, the back end of Facebook, it's so overwhelming. And I think that's a huge deterrent. But, mm -hmm. but we were talking before we were recording how, you know, as small businesses, we only need to use just a fraction of what is there. And everything is figureoutable. Just take your time. 
<laughs> it is. Yeah. It, it's, it is figureoutable. There are only really a few parameters that you need to, to check in on mm -hmm. Facebook. Um, they're, they're, the one thing that Facebook will do, and it's kind of their gateway drug, is just ask you if you want to boost this post. Yeah. And that's what, that's what most people are doing. Mm -hmm. And one thing you have to understand about Facebook is you can have different objectives. And very often when you boost, the objective will be to um, get uh, likes, if you yeah. will. Yeah. interaction and l likes are good for your ego, but they don't pay the rent. <laughs> uh, a much better objective is to get clicks to your website so mm. that people get off of Facebook and, and consume your content. Mm, nice. Nice. Uh, well, that being said, if, for those of you who are, are a little overwhelmed and it's okay if you feel that way, uh, even those of us who have experience with Facebook are often overwhelmed. But John, you have a great little uh, online course, Facebook ads for music teachers as yes. well. So if you require more of a walkthrough, a step-by-step walkthrough, I know that John's courses are fantastic. He breaks everything down beautifully. So that is definitely an option and well worth the investment. But I'm excited about this music teacher influencer. When can we expect this new release? Uh, it's hard to give a hard date because then there's, there, there's no always hangups, etc. cetera. <laughs> um, but I think I could safely say within a couple of months. Oh, exciting. So, so sometime in October. So it could be a lovely Christmas gift for, for ourselves. It could be, yeah. And, oh. then, and then the audio book it usually is a month after that. Because that's just a pain in the neck, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh, John, I can't thank you enough for your time today, for your expertise, for your inspiration. I love following you on social media um, and your products, if I may. The one thing I think you are so good at is taking complex ideas and information and really simplifying it for all of us and well, whether, thank you whether you're a student whether you're a teacher I do appreciate the how you've how you break things down and, and I also love your sense of humor within your writings so thank you for that thank uh, you so much and and if, if I give a compliment back I I love your workbooks we use them here oh, at uh, my academy oh wonderful I'm so so happy to hear that now uh, before you go, I am going to post all of your courses and links. Oh, I know what I forgot to tell you about. And I'm going to edit this this last part back in. Um, for those of you that may not know, John is also the host of the Intelligent Vocalist podcast. So um, uh, you're now on episode 95. I'm, I'm actually just released episode uh, 111 what oh yeah where and i it's uh, it's pretty fun i interview natalie weiss oh how lovely natalie is amazing yeah she's fantastic okay well i'm catching up i'm catching up with you john <laughs> get listening <laughs> now i have to tell you i i um i encourage uh, most of my adult singers to check into your podcast. I think you really address some important, um, not just technical things, but just like everything for that singer, for a professional singer or somebody that's learning to sing. And um, 
I'm, I'm super thankful that that resource again is out there and that you're doing such a fantastic job. You also had some interviews with Chris from the Naked Vocalist. Yes. Yeah, yes, Chris Johnson. He's a, he's a fun guy. Uh, but you've got some great interviews, some great information. I love it. And um, if you haven't checked out John's podcast, please do so. You're, you're too kind. A very special thank you to John Henney for that wonderful conversation. Please check out our podcast page. You can find that in the show notes. And check out uh, John Henney's new book, Teaching Contemporary Singing, which is available on Amazon. Now, next week on the podcast, my very special guest is voice teacher Kelly Barham. Now, Kelly has created community within her teaching studio with some incredibly fun opportunities for her students. It's a wonderful look at a private teaching studio success story. Now, before I sign off, please be sure to connect with us on the social at The Full Voice on Instagram and Full Voice Music on Facebook. Of course, if you are looking for fantastic resources for your singers, thefullvoice.com is the place to go. We share amazing free resources. In fact, if you are listening to this podcast at time of release, it's Freebie Friday, and we have a wonderful new download called Pumpkin Spice Song. It's a warm-up, and it's also a harmony part singing study. So please check out all of our resources, and you can download free samples of our workbooks as well. I am always wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Made my good new music. Canoe music.ca